Incentives for music. What about incentives for film and television? Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Time for a little Statehouse review. Eric Berman is the chief political correspondent here at 93 WIBC, the dean of the Statehouse, the capo, the tutti capo of all things Indiana and legislation. You're welcome for that one. Uh, You were just reporting on it. You just heard it from John Herrick's newscast, this idea of giving incentives to bring in music or production. This has been a conversation about film and television production. Georgia leads the way on that. That's why they get so many movies made there. Uh, I love that it comes out of Fort Wayne because that's the home of Sweetwater. How serious is this, and can this become other things outside of music like movie production? I don't think it becomes something like movie production this year. Uh, The sponsor out of Fort Wayne, Justin Bush, actually had a bill last year which would have done both those things, uh, film and TV production and music production. Uh, and Sweetwater Sound, you're exactly right. That's uh, kind of the, the driving force uh, behind that coming out of Fort Wayne. That bill didn't go anywhere. In fact, we used to have a film and TV production tax credit. It was passed over Governor Daniels' veto uh, and then was not renewed when it expired. So that's a debate for another day. Senator Bush said it deliberately scaled it back this year to the smallest piece of that, basically as a proof of concept to show, hey, this works, this can bring in those creative folks, get to get the music industry to have a foothold in Indiana, and then maybe we build from there. Does it have a future this year? It's tough to say. And it, this, they've deliberately structured this one so that it does not spend money right away. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily have to go to the Ways and Means Committee, although it still might. Anything that spends money is going to face a tougher hill to climb than a bill that doesn't spend money because number one it has to go through an additional committee number two it gets caught up in the whole discussion of the budget you know when it's not a budget year they don't like to do that because it's not in the context of the budget when it is a budget year they don't like to do it because you've got a budget to put together and you've already got a thousand moving parts so the fact that it's structured just to say we establish the program, we give the Destination Development Commission, which is basically the IEDC, but for tourism and tourism-related stuff, the fact that we just give them the authority without necessarily giving them additional money makes it an easier road, but I'd say it's uh, uncertain. I don't know whether it goes forward or not. Now, one of the other big stories out there is about the House vote to override the governor's veto of the landlord-tenant bill. So that means it becomes law. And this has to do with Indianapolis wanting to create more tenants' rights. And it's a question of, well, are we creating tenants' rights as a way of taking away landlords' rights? Why did this become a battle? Why the need for the veto? Why the override? Take us through it, Eric Berman. Well, remember, this is a veto, which means this is a bill that passed actually last year with a slightly different legislature. This is a bill that surfaced on the House calendar the very day that the City County Council voted on that uh, tenants' rights legislation. Um, So this was a direct response to what Indianapolis has done, and as such, it's sort of part of a larger picture. There's been a lot of pushback this year against various things, uh, either that Indianapolis has done or hasn't done in the view of the legislature. In any event, it passed last year. Governor Holcomb felt that it uh, went too far, restricted things that shouldn't be restricted. It was his only veto of the session. Senate and House have both overridden that now, so it does become law. Um, There are there are a couple of fixes moving through the legislature. There, there was one clause. It wasn't the only thing that Governor Holcomb objected to. But one thing that he objected to in his veto message 
was this catch-all clause. You know, it lists like eight things that cities can't regulate. You can't regulate uh, security deposits. You can't regulate uh, what you can check on the letter's background. Um, half a dozen others. And then it says, or anything else. And that was a little bit too sweeping. The Senate is moving a bill that would delete that language so that it's specific things, which still covers most of the ground, but at least it's a specific what, that tells you what you can and can't do. There's another bill in the House which gets rid of one provision that is that is part of the Indianapolis Ordinance. The Indianapolis Ordinance says the landlord can't retaliate against you. If you call the health department and say, look, I've got rats in the garbage area and they haven't fixed the, uh, the, the washer-dryer in a month um, – the landlord can't say, oh, gee, we're going to uh, revoke your lease now because I just don't like you. Um, it would have prohibited that. That's now off limits. But there's a bill. Remember what the, what the bill says, the, the now overridden veto. The bill says the state can do what it wants. It's local governments we don't want doing a patchwork of regulations. And so there's a bill that would have the state regulate that point, saying, yeah, retaliation, you can't do that. That is something that's out of bounds. Talking to Eric Berman, chief political correspondent here at 93 WIBC with the State House Review on the DriveHubler.com hotline. The idea of retaliation, not in favor of, but was part of this conversation one about whether or not landlords were being put in a tough spot where they're not able to properly have protection of their rental properties? Or was this much more about who has the authority here and is there a necessity to somehow keep things connected and all the cities doing it the same way? I think it's both, but primarily the first. Um, the, the, the fundamental driving force between this law was we don't like what Indianapolis did. We think that's a bad precedent. We, uh, th- this is not something that we want. And one way that the legislature can solve that is by falling back on the uniformity argument. But the uniformity argument tends to be more of a justification. You know, the, the, you have home rule and local authority when local governments aren't doing things that the state says, are you crazy? This was an area where a lot of the legislators felt, yeah, this goes too far. So that it's the philosophical underpinning, and it's the argument that's, uh, that's made on the floor. But fundamentally, it's, uh, it's the landlord's rights issue. They're, they were hearing from the apartment association and people who just own a couple of rental properties here and there saying, look, this ties my hands. This makes it too hard for me to do business. So what else? What else is happening right now that we should be keeping an eye on that wasn't supposed to be there and is or is supposed to be there and ain't? <laughs> well, we're at the point where there's there's not too many left of the first one. You know, there's uh, Today's the last day for committee hearings in the Senate. The House is already done with committee hearings. Next week is the last week for the House to pass its own bills and the same in the Senate. After Tuesday, they trade and they, they only look at the bills that pass the other side. So a lot of stuff is going to fall by the wayside. Maybe the big thing that's happened in terms of stuff that uh, you thought would be there that ain't is a couple of those let's regulate the city's bills, uh, the, in particular the Indianapolis police bills. Those got a hearing in committee this week uh, on the Senate side. We weren't sure that that even was going to happen, but they both got pulled. There was one that would have gotten rid of this general orders board uh, where, where citizens have oversight over rules that take some power away from uh, Chief Taylor at IMPD. There was the other one that was more focused on I, uh, Indi- Indianapolis 
in particular, the one that would have created a state board of police commissioners. Instead of the mayor appointing a police chief and setting the rules, the mayor would be one of five people, most of whom are appointed by state officials, and in, in essence, the state would be running IMPD. Both of those are dead now. The, uh, the let's have the state run things is going to go to a study committee. The bill that would have gotten rid of the General Orders Board. That was Aaron Freeman's bill. They tried to make that a study committee, and Senator Freeman said, no, there's no reason to study this. Uh, I can write a letter just as easily as I can do a study committee. I'm voting against my own bill, and that's what happened. The committee killed it. Eric Berman, Chief Political Correspondent here at 93 WIBC with the State House Review on the DriveHubler.com hotline.